0: Good morning everyone um, and thank you very much. This is our committee meeting, the committee's committee meeting on the 17th of June. Um, our chair has been slightly delayed this morning so as Vice Chair um, Kelly Armstrong I will be hosting this part of the meeting and um, Paula Bradley will join us very shortly. Um, just to confirm attendance I know in the room this morning we have Andy Allen almost um, green so far I can see Karen Mullen, Alex Easton, Framacan, Mark Durkin. Um, and paula bradley apologies for lateness and um, she'll be joining us very shortly any other apologies i'm just wondering about robin he may join us um just without further ado uh, i know we have the minister with us this morning minister you're ver- thank you so much for giving us your time today i know it's been a busy time in politics recently and um, rather than hold you up because we know you don't have a huge amount of time today um you're here to talk to us about the welfare uh, mitigation loopholes, um, so Minister, over to you, and then we will come to you with questions afterwards.
1: Yeah, thanks very much, Mister. Um, and I know I quickly. Apologies, I have a nine thirty meeting, but just really to cover really the existing mitigations and then also the loopholes as well, and obviously just to acknowledge from the outset. I mean, I can completely understand the frustration of the committee, um, in terms of the progress of the welfare mitigation legislation, and indeed I share the frustration of the committee as well, Um, and I know a lot of other people do also who may be listening in. But as you'll know, obviously, over the last 16 months, um, there's been a continued response to the COVID pandemic. And obviously, that's placed challenges right across all of the departments of government and indeed the Assembly as a whole. And obviously, regrettably, this has um, resulted in an unavoidable delay in moving forward with the extension and the review of the mitigations package, and I know we've spoke about that previously. Um, however, I just want to reiterate here and now my absolute commitment in terms of completing this work as quickly as possible, and again, without further delay. And as you'll know, the existing mitigation schemes um, The statutory end of those was in March of last year. There was the cliff edge and the campaign that went on. And obviously, with the re-establishment of the institutions, extending those existing mitigations were contained within the New Decade New Approach Agreement. And indeed, right away, when the institutions were up and running last year, we said about... Um, Having those extensions made, indeed, I first inserted the first paper in terms of the extensions and closing the loopholes in the 19th of February 2020 was when the first um, paper went into the executive from myself when that wasn't brought forward and indeed when the pandemic obviously began to hit we then introduced contingency arrangements to make sure that payments for those who were eligible um, continued beyond that deadline of the end of march and obviously those contingency arrangements and payments were able to be done through the budget act with the approval of the department of finance and that position is still in place now that runs out on the 31st of december of this year But again, to reassure people that that can be extended if needs be, to ensure that those payments will continue to run. In terms of the extension of the mitigation scheme, obviously that will require new primary primary, and subordinate legislation, which must be approved by resolution of the Assembly. Now, again, we're looking, can that be done through accelerated passage? And I think there would be agreement from the executive um, once the paper is approved to do that in terms of making sure that that's done. But as I said, those costs are continuing to be paid under the Budget Act, so nobody is falling um, in terms of the money um, that should be paid there. There is a draft bill in place um, that will provide for the extension of the social sector size criteria mitigation, um, and it has been prepared and shared with the executive, so that paper is already in the executive as I've said. This was then will be introduced into the Assembly as soon as possible after agreement to proceed is secured. And then again, once the Assembly consents, <laughs> if that's the direction, the extension of the social sector says criteria mitigation, the, uh, my officials within the department will apply that without any delay. I also intend obviously to bring forward the welfare supplementary payment extension regulations. And obviously, this statutory rule is subject to the draft affirmative procedure and will provide for the extension of the remaining welfare mitigation schemes. And again, I propose to this shortly after the bill is introduced. And again, I can confirm um, that the committee will be given the opportunity to look at this. And again, the department will submit an SL1 um, to the committee for their consideration. In terms of closing the loopholes, and I know um, people are really interested in this Obviously, alongside the extension of the existing mitigation schemes, I propose to bring forward um, a further specific set of regulations that will seek to strengthen the bedroom tax and benefit cap mitigation schemes by closing the loopholes that exist within both of those schemes. And again, I can confirm that the legislation is drafted for this and the legislation is ready to go once that approval is given at the executive. And again, to minimize delay and changes and not coming into operation, again, I am proposing to share the SL1 for both sets of these regulations, again, with the committee for your consideration at the same time, just to make sure that there's no delay. Again, if these amendments are approved, they will actually ensure that anyone um, affected by the bedroom tax will receive a mitigation payment, regardless if they move home and continue to under-occupy in that new property. And as up to the 31st of March of this year, we know that 365 households have fallen and continue to fall through that loophole. And again, they're not being mitigated Um, against um, that loophole at the moment so obviously there is an emphasis to try and get that moved as soon as possible in terms of a change to the benefit cap mitigation scheme again we want to ensure that all families with children who have had their benefit kept uh, will be mitigated for the loss of that benefit and indeed the latest analysis again around the benefit cap cases as of february of this year shows a total of 900 individuals who are impacted by the benefit cap and who are not entitled to a mitigation payment. And indeed, the legislation to close these loopholes by amending the schemes will be led once the extension to the existing mitigation schemes is confirmed. So again, all of the legislation and the regulations are ready to go. Once the approval is given at the executive, we can hit the button right away, get the SL1s to the committee, and get the progress going as soon as possible. Again, I'm going to be proposing to bring forward two further sets of regulations. The first set of regulations will make further amendments to the existing mitigations legislation, and these amendments have been identified by staff within the department and are considered necessary. It's more around the effective administration of the mitigation scheme, and again, this is just ensuring you know there has been learning from when the mitigations were first brought in in sixteen seventeen. They were obviously brought in very quickly. Um, there were a few bumps and glips and scenarios that were identified, and again, we're just amending regulations to ensure the smoother flowing of those existing mitigations to make sure that they can be done, uh, without any delays. The final set of regulations will provide a statutory basis for making mitigation payments to people claiming universal credit. And again, the legislation will extend the existing welfare mitigation schemes to cover universal credit and will largely affect people impacted by the bedroom tax and the benefit uh, cap as well. And again, I want to just ensure that, you know, the proposed changes will be shared again with yourselves to make sure that you have the opportunity to scrutinize the policy um, that's contained within the draft legislation as well. In terms of quickly, just in case it comes up, obviously, the review of welfare mitigations, and I know there was um, a debate in the Assembly earlier this year in terms of this issue as well. Obviously, that was contained with a new decade, new approach that there would be a review uh, looking at the mitigations and looking at what new protections could be brought forward. Um, if the budget um, was committed and allowed for that obviously again I know there has been a frustration there's been a delay in that um, around primarily because of COVID the huge increase that we've seen in universal credit and our focus at that time was to ensure that we could still maintain the, the existing services that we had there's obviously a focus on getting these existing mitigations and closing the loopholes through um, and again I will be bringing forward very shortly, just the panel, um, the independent expert panel in terms of doing that review. So I will be launching that soon, and as you will know, I've already launched an independent, an independent review panel. Sorry, into the discretionary support made up a deed of academics, of those who work in the advice sector and also those who work in advice at the grassroots within a community uh, setting as well. Um, And they will hopefully conclude that review over the summer period and then into uh, around September we'll be coming back with information uh, on that again. So again, we're waiting, I mean, I have a list of times that I have raised this at the executive in terms of this legislation going through I am hopeful. I mean, we've seen a breakthrough overnight um, in terms of uh, having the nominations done for uh, the First Minister's office. Um, And hopefully with the executive of a meeting is going to go ahead today, um, that we can then start to get this paper either today or as soon as possible placed on the agenda. I mean, I've um, reiterated to ministers around the table the importance. Um, I've identified the numbers, the thousands of families that are impacted by not closing these loopholes at the moment and to ensure that we provide those protections. And again, when you look at the data, it's women, it's single parents that are being affected. Again, we know that it's people who have been acutely affected by the pandemic as well um, in terms of those uh, who fall into poverty. And indeed, obviously, I want to move forward. We have the legislation and the regulations ready. And as soon as that's approved um, at the executive, as soon as it's placed on the agenda to be discussed and approved at the executive, there will be no delay from me in pushing forward. And I know, again, I'll have the support of the committee, obviously in terms of the scrutiny role, but also trying to get these protections and loopholes closed as soon as possible.
0: Thanks, um, Kelly. Thank you very much, Minister. It's very appreciated your time today. I know you're busy. Um, so Minister, um, I have a few questions, and then I'm going by alphabetical order out to the rest of the committee. Um, so just um, in the chair's role, I just wanted to ask you um for clarification. So we have the the welfare reform review happening and the loopholes and the loopholes are what I want to ask you about this morning and um, with obviously cliff edge coalition have been fantastic and updating everyone and, and and keeping us abreast of, of the impacts that the loopholes, loopholes sorry, are having on people I just wanted to check with you in your considerations on the loopholes will um, this be retrospective so those families who have been impacted by the loopholes will they be, receive a payment um, to cover the period where they have been without support
1: Um, because we've been waiting on on the legislation coming through. The payments can't be retrospective, Kelly. I've raised this, um, and obviously that's a cause of concern for me in terms of the delay in getting this agreed at the executive. I tried to push to see if there was a way that we can um, give those families back the lost income that they should have rightly been receiving. Um, As I've said, I've had this paper in from February last year and then various iterations of it. So I wanted to move on this as soon as the institutions were up and running again. Um, and again, no once the, they will only the payments will only take effect once the legislation and the regulations are through. so it will be from that date going forward
0: imperative at this stage that that legislation hits in as quickly as possible and you know as you've said that the committee will back you 100% on that and I think I would ask every single committee member here go to your ministers and make sure this is on the agenda it's unforgivable not for it to be on the agenda. Um, Disappointing minister I would ask that given that we know that there's Thousands of people now in in rent arrears. Um, this will include some of our families who have been hit by the the loopholes. Um, is there some way that we can negate some of the debt that they have been that has been created if they're not able to receive the money? Is there some way to reduce their their debt to the housing executive or social housing uh, we would ask that but i'm going to move on to others because i know your time's precious today andy allen i'm just checking to see andy if you have any questions for the minister
2: i do chair and i'll keep them concise as i appreciate the minister's time minister um you had highlighted um through your brief that you've tabled this paper on a number of occasions and it was well known and Indeed, officials confirmed to me on numerous occasions that when these institutions were down that the legislation was drafted. So the million, million dollar question for me is, what is the delay? Is there a party and the executive blocking these mitigations from coming onto the table? Um, you've expressed, you've shared your paper to the executive. What is the commentary that you're receiving from executive colleagues? Are there any concerns being raised from executive colleagues? And how fast do you foresee this coming forward?
1: Well, yeah, Andy, you're right. I mean, I had the first paper I put in on the 19th of February um, to be submitted on the executive a couple of days later. Um, There's been uh, different versions of that, obviously through initial engagements um, with the executive in terms of the paper broadly, Um, and I know it's reflected in this committee. All parties are saying they want to push ahead um, in having these mitigations through, but it has been frustrating since then, and even from March of this year, I have had over just nearly 20 requests going forward to the executive asking for this to be placed on the executive agenda. I write um, on a weekly basis. I raise this under any other, other business because it's the only way that I can. Um, and indeed, obviously, for a business to be placed on the executive agenda, that needs approval um for that to be done um i haven't been given any reason as of yet um as to why it hasn't progressed to be placed on the executive agenda um to be agreed and it hasn't been through a want of trying i mean as i say i have a whole list of dates here as to when i've requested it when i've put different versions of the paper in when i've responded to to further information requests i have all of that information and as i say for march um, I have made ten requests by email in terms of the paper being placed on, and I have sent seven direct letters as well um, to the executive then for the paper to be tabled and I've raised it at every subsequent meeting under any other business again highlighting because for me people are out people are being pushed further into poverty. Um, and the issue for me is is making sure that we close these loopholes without further delay. So if we can get agreement on the executive in the next couple of days going forward, if that can be done um, even through the executive office or the TEO um, in terms of having that done quicker, then I would be pressing um, for that to be done
2: thanks minister it would appear to me from what's been outlined that there is a blockage within the office of fm and dfm that's what i'm picking up here Um, so if that is the case it's unforgivable that a a party is blocking this at the executive and not allowing it to come forward to be considered and then thus far being introduced to the executive table uh, i can assure you that's not coming from my party um in in that respect um, i'm we need to see these come forward minister would you be able to share with us your, your timeline and when you've um, asked the executive for this to come forward and on on all those occasions you've outlined please
1: yeah i can take that back in the officials because i'm sure all of this is open to fois and stuff and certainly to share with the committee so i will go back Andy, and just get a note of that and ask officials then to get information sent through to the committee
2: I yeah, appreciate that, Minister. And uh, I'm not asking you to comment on this, but um, it's unacceptable the way government's being done here um, because I do know that there are other bills um, that are uh, that we've seen in the media that are trying to be progressed through the executive that aren't making it on the way uh, to the agenda. So parties need to take a real long, hard look at themselves in that respect. Thank you very much, Andy. I'll move now
0: on to Mark Durkin.
3: Thank you, uh, Kelly, and thank you, Minister, for for coming along this morning. Many of these uh, points have been made, but but I think it's important that that they are reiterated, such as the importance of, of this issue. I mean, the delay here has been completely unacceptable. It's not inexplicable, though, and certainly COVID has played a major factor in that, and there's always been the hint that there was an issue at the executive as well that was contributing to this delay, and I think it's fair to say that that's gone beyond a hint. Uh, this morning, Minister, you referred to the importance of the support for you to do this uh, from the committee, and I'd like to again underline our support, <laughs> or my support as a party, and I think you can hear from, from the members that have already spoken from the committee of our support, and and I I don't, I don't want to fall out with anyone else, but certainly if there's any additional work that we need to do to make this happen as quickly as possible, then as a committee, I think we should be prepared to do that, even if that meant coming back at some point over the summer. Have you any idea, like, realistically, what is the quickest that this can happen? Is there any way, shape or form that this legislation can make it through before uh, summer (coughs) recess, even with accelerated passage? You mentioned there's something about TEO. I don't know how you've been thinking along the lines of urgent procedure or even... For something that's this important to so many people, w- w- would it be something you'd even consider an Assembly recall over over the summer?
1: Yeah, no, well, Mark, thanks very much. And again, I know the committee, I mean, everybody on that committee um, is supportive in getting these through as soon as possible. Um, and I know, I mean, that's why you've had me here this morning because you just care about the issues. Um, and I have looked if, if there's ways that we can do it. So if it is get an urgent procedure just to get the papers through the executive um, without having to wait another week for a potential other meeting. Um, I know there was, um, you know, ministers were in contempt with that. Um, again, the other issue then around the bedroom tax in terms of the existing mitigations, um, we can do that through accelerated passage. But what I'm getting from officials is in terms of the regulations and the loopholes, that they have to take six weeks. There's no other way of avoiding that. Now, if there is a way the Assembly allows us um, to progress that over the summer if we can get this moving as soon as possible, or at least the committee stages and all of that that needs to be done, if there's a way that we can do that as quickly, and they give the flexibility and we'll have the extra week in July, then I will make myself available oh, my doubt about that um, to try and get this through because as you rightly say and we all know families are losing money I mean they're losing hundreds of thousands of pounds and have been and we just need to get these closed as quickly as possible so I'll make myself available Mark I'll communicate to the committee in terms of the definitive timeline but I know the regulations around closing the loopholes will take six weeks um, and I don't there's no way of shortening that
3: because uh, well, the delay, as you've quite rightly said, Minister, is costing people money and it's causing yeah. people hardship, hardship, and especially the fact that accept uh, that you've made efforts at the, 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 around the retrospective element, but but that's that's been ruled out. and Therefore, the longer the delay, the greater the cost to people and families that can least afford it. Now, you did something a wee bit optimistic there. Uh, until, I think you referred to it last night. A breakthrough <laughs> have not happened. Uh, and that's in direct negotiation with with the UK government. I just wondering had had this issue perhaps been raised with them as another, I suppose, commitment in the DNA that the executive was having difficulty delivering.
1: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I wasn't part of negotiations in terms of a no. Obviously, it's been raised in terms of the importance of getting this issue through. Um, I suppose what I'm hopeful in a breakthrough with the reestablishment again, the executive getting up and running again um, without further delay then that, that we can progress this. So I know there has been discussions um, from all parties around the executive table on the need to put this forward to close the loophole. So I suppose, I mean, I'm always the optimist um, you have to be in this uh, game, but I want to make sure that we try and progress this. And it is getting across, as you say, families are in hardship now and it's because these loopholes are not closed um, and we just all need to play our part in making sure that we can progress this as soon as possible. So, I mean, I'm willing to meet anybody um, any time of the day or night. I'm willing to work over the summer um, because I'll be there anyway in terms of trying to get the legislation through and the loopholes closed. If there's flexibility within the Assembly, they allow us to do that. And I know the committee will be um, in the same thought.
3: OK, Thank, thanks,
0: Minister. Thank you very much, Minister. I'll move now to Alex Easton, and then I know, Fra, you have your hand up. I know that we only have a few minutes left with the Minister. Alex, so if I could ask you to be brief to let um Fry come in as well before the Minister needs to go. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Deputy Chair. Um, thanks for your your presentation this morning, Minister. I um, certainly have my support to move this forward as quick as possible. Um a bit surprised to hear about these delays so that was news to me but um seem to be moving in the right direction now um just to pick up a point that Kelly said and I know I have to be quick um I'm just worried about these rent arrears um how are these families meant to pay these back if, if they're not going to be sorted out and done retrospectively for them if you know what I mean
1: well it's just in terms of you can't make the payments I mean the legislation is just the money can only be start from when the legislation and the regs are enacted. So I've ha- I have tried to find ways um, of retrospectively paying it and I'll continue to do that. But there's, uh, what I'm being told now legally is we can't. Um, what we are doing is working with the housing executive, obviously, and through the benefits agency as well, the social security agency, um, in terms of identifying families if families are in stress or struggle to contact us, to come forward. Um, in terms of looking at those supports, I mean, obviously there is the discretionary support. We know there's um, additional support that can be done through the housing executive or with housing associations to ensure that anybody that's struggling financially, that we're working with them to transport support them. Um, so we'll continue to do that. But what I could even do is just provide, I mean, I'll go back to the officials just in terms of those who are falling through the loopholes and then get them to come back to you is just with information of what we're trying to do, to address any issues that those families are facing at the moment. So we'll, I'll get officials to provide the committee just with a written update um, on actions and steps that were taken.
4: Just, just very quickly. Do you know how many families this might be affecting? And can you give a guarantee that no family will have proceedings against them to to remove them from their home because of these potential rent arrears because of this? Can you give us some guarantees on that?
1: The bedroom tax one, um, Alex, then, as of the 31st of March, there are 365 households that have fallen through that loophole. So that's the number of households as of March. Um, I'll try and get more up-to-date figures um, that have fallen through that household or sorry, that loophole. As if they'll come back to you then just with more information in terms of any of those families that have fallen in the arrears that or are, are struggling. Um, again, we'll need to go and do a bit of work around that. And then I'll I'll give a commitment now that we'll come back either in writing or to the committee to give an update on the support that we're offering um, to any of those families that are affected.
4: Yeah, I'd hate to say anybody's been affected, so, um, okay. Thank you, Chair.
1: Thank you very much. Fra
0: and Karen, I have you both next.
5: To to, to be brief, I would like to start off by uh, thanking the Minister uh, for, for the information here this morning. I actually remember... Or, or the first time she spoke within the Assembly. And keen that was a whole mitigation thing, especially in the room, uh, the bedroom text. So thanks for the information. The second point, and I've raised it a number of times at committee, uh, that there's quite a lot of information that the minister has given us this morning on the delays, the dates, uh, and everything. I think, again, and uh, that that uh, that we need to be sending off a letter on behalf of the whole committee. Uh, just saying that we're gravely concerned at the continued delay in movement uh, to, 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 to bring us to head. All of us have, uh, have been for months now uh, asking uh, what the delay is. I think the minister has been very clear uh, that it's uh, certainly not at heart doorstop. And I've said, like again in the past, that no one, uh, the, the the minister, that she's totally committed uh, to bringing in uh, that's the type of change that's required to make life easier for people. Thank you, Chair.
0: Thank you, for, and Karen. Thank you, Deputy Chair.
6: It's been covered so uh, the questions that I wanted to ask, so I'll not repeat it. I know it was short for time. I want to thank the Minister for commitment and hard work around the mitigation package. It will be shocking and disappointing for many who are listening here today um, and those who are suffering financially and being further pushed um, into poverty. Uh, when we hear the all party support from committee members in this uh, uh, committee every week to hear that one party seems to be delaying the legislation, this vital legislation, the club is ticking and uh, we need this on the executive agenda as soon as possible. So again, Minister, I want to thank you for your hard work and drive on that and I second Fred's proposal. Thank you, Minister.
0: Thank you very much, Karen. Um, and thank you very much, Minister. Um, I would maybe um will certainly as a committee write a letter to the Executive Office um, just to say um, if there's any way that discretionary support can be used for these families, or if there's any way that we can prevent children from going further into poverty just because there happens to be more than two children in the house, um, we would absolutely support that. Um, I think I can say to all here now are you agreed to write a letter to the executive office to exact to ask for the delay, why there's a delay and why this um hasn't been helped or hasn't been brought through for the minister I think. If just nods of heads would help yeah thank you folks um so we'll write off ministers to support you on that if you can spell out to the executive exactly how much money this is costing our families because of this delay we will certainly back you on that and i thank you very much for your time i know we ran three minutes over which wasn't too bad but um your your time has been very much appreciated this morning thank you very much minister
1: Thanks very much, Kelly. And as I say, I'll get that follow-up information across to the committee and again, I'm not sure what way the Assembly functions in terms of over the summer and coming back, but we'll scope that out and I'm sure you will do the same and if we can get it done over the summer as quickly, then I'll make myself available. Yeah.
0: Thank you you very much, Minister. Thank you. Thank you.
7: Can I just... You, Kelly, I'm back in the room again. I've just arrived back in, so thank you. Thank you so, so much for um, taking up there. And I just heard the very end of it, so I'm happy enough with those proposals. And if we do have to come back um, any at any time, I'm more than happy to do that as well. Um, so um, i will certainly be putting any pressure I can on um, to have that legislation put through sooner rather than later. Kelly, I don't know, did you get the first part done? Did you get who's in the room Um, just
0: yes we did
7: that can we move then on to agenda item two which is apologies do we have any apologies no okay now move on to chairperson's business Um, so members following the consideration stage debate on the licensing and registration of clubs amendment bill the department intends to table (coughs) 23 amendments at further consideration stage scheduled for this monday amendments are all technical in nature and do not make any changes to the policy direction or the decisions agreed in the house at consideration stage the amendments refine those clauses which stand part of the bill to ensure they are both legally effective and practically possible to implement and seek to improve the drafting of clauses and ensure their enforceability given that further consideration stage provides members a last opportunity to amend the bill the minister requests the support of the committee for communities for her amendments. Um, members, I'm uh, conscious that the bill is no longer with us, so therefore it's not uh, for us to debate it any further in this in this um, uh, forum. But um, it's just the Minister asking us uh, if we can support her her amendments. So any comments? Are they content that the committee support this set of amendments? Content?
8: Yeah? yeah. Chair, go ahead, Janice. Interject. Yeah. Uh, the Bill office emailed me just this morning and um, my, sorry, my inbox has been playing up here, so I did ask for it to be emailed out and I'm kind of just looking for confirmation that Sean got that email because my inbox has been saying full. No, right. <laughs> <I'll try. laughs> I've been frantically deleting emails. Um, I will read out what the email says, okay, and then it will be circulated to members. It's nothing, uh, don't panic, it's nothing untoward, but just a bit of an update. Can everybody hear me Okay. Yeah, can everyone hear Janice? Yeah. 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 Um, There was a couple of changes uh, from the letter provided um, by the Bill team. Of particular note is the Department's note to Clause 22, Minimum Unit Pricing. The Department had proposed to take this out and insert a revised version later in the Bill. However, the revised clause will now be inserted at the same point. So that is, it will stay at Clause 22. Um, it's just an important clarification because the letter that they sent looks a wee bit confusing because it looks like it's been taken out and put in somewhere else but actually it's not it's been put in at the same place um, also uh, clause 12 has been submerged into clause 11 and clause 34 has been amended to include secondary legislation making powers to amend the number of late-night authorisations for registered clubs. These were missing in the initial amendment that the department had tabled in response to our request for that. Remember we had requested the regulation making powers. Um, Andy Allen, I think you spotted that omission, but Claire has advised me, so thank you. Firstly, similar to the Minimum Unit Pricing Amendment, the Department is no longer leaving out Clauses 24 and 25, rather they will be substituting them with the text in Amendments 19 and 20 that they have provided to the Committee. So I will email this round after the meeting anyway to make sure everybody has it. But that's just a bit of an update on the amendments. But what, what Chair says still stands, there is nothing to alarm the Committee in the amendments. They are main, you know, they are purely technical redrafting, and to ensure that the the clauses are practical in implementation.
7: Okay, members, any comments you wish to make on that? Are we content then? Um, they are certainly uh, they they are are technical. I read through them last night. Um, there doesn't seem to be any changes at all because of this. I'm happy enough um, to support the minister's amendment. So. Just can I ask then, are the committee happy enough to support the minister's amendments? Great. Yeah. Great. Okay, then. That's fine. Um, then, members, if I could move on into page seven, um, there's a note of our last stakeholders meeting, which Kelly had chaired. Um, so just to ask, are members content with that note that, that we're present at it? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And then, Members, for your information, the Assembly Clerk for the Committee for the Executive Office has advised us that a joint meeting of the uh, Committees for TEO, Economy and Finance was held yesterday afternoon to discuss a number of cross-cutting issues, including the High Street Task Force. TEO officials brought officials from the Department for Communities, accompanying them to support discussions on the matter. We had copied the raised paper on the High Street Task Force to the committee for the executive office. So it's just informed members that that took place. I suppose just a little bit disappointed that we weren't invited along to that meeting also, um, but we can certainly write back and let them know. Uh, that Members, any comments on that? Or... Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, yes, thank you, Chair. I'm
0: disappointed, like yourself, that we weren't included in that, um, especially given the fact that, um, you know, high streets and councils, you know, come under this committee's remit. Um, I think that too often some of the other committees um, forget that, that communities cover such a wide-ranging area and it would be useful. So I would be asking for, a, normally we don't see the minutes of, of too many other committees, if we can get a copy of the minutes of that
7: meeting. Okay, we can ask for that. Any other comments, members? They're happy we move on? Yep, okay. Yep. All right, thank you. Um, I'm going to move on then to agenda item 4, which is the draft minutes. You'll find these at page 10. So can I ask members, are you content to agree the minutes of the 10th of June 2021 as drafted? Agreed. Agreed, thank you. Agenda item 5 is matters arising. Can I inform members you've been provided at page 22 with a copy of the 41st report of the Examiner of Strategy Rules 2020-21? Um, The Housing Benefit and Universal Credit, Care Leavers and Homeless Regulations Northern Ireland 2021 are drawn to the special attention of the Assembly in respect of a clarification which the Department will make in relation to their drafting. The title of the regulation should read the Housing Benefit and Universal Credit, Car Leavers and Homeless Amendment Regulations Northern Ireland 2021, the Department has confirmed that it will insert amendment into the title by way of a correction slip at the earliest opportunities. Again, can I ask members are any comment or content to note? Content? Thank you. Thankly, you. I should turn to page 32 of your packs, where you'll see a departmental response in relation to the lack of a degree in housing. I think uh, I know certainly Robin and some other members had brought this up. The department states that recruiting staff to work on housing transformation has mirrored the recruitment situation more broadly across uh, the Northern Ireland Civil Service. To date, it is unaware of any issues surrounding the lack of a housing degree in Northern Ireland impacting on recruitment. And it is worth noting that training and qualifications may be taken up by staff once they're in post. This would encompass both policy skills and any housing-specific qualifications as required. Um, members, again, any comments? I think Fra and Robin have both brought this up. Any comments? Are you content to note that at this stage? Sure. Uh, so go ahead, Fra.
5: <clears throat> sorry the uh no I, uh, that's okay but it doesn't answer the, the the question that was raised at the committee and uh and that is that uh the the, the expertise that uh, the degree and uh, the years of training uh brought to an individual uh and they're opened up the way uh for, for for these people to go into the the, the middle and higher echelons of uh, housing associations, housing executive or housing groups uh, doesn't isn't, isn't answered all. It's talking about really is in-house training if you're lucky to get a job. Yeah. And uh, so that, but can still concern me uh, that, uh, that 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 the obviously that the thing was done away with in the first place, uh, but that, that it's not taken serious
3: seriously. Oh, thank you for
7: that, Frat. Mark. Give you your hand up.
3: Yeah, I think, thank you, Chair, and I think it was actually I who, who had raised this initially at committee, and I see the answer and accept it, but it does seem to be fairly dismissive or, 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 or refu- reluctant to acknowledge the importance of, of this issue, and while they're unable to say or identify whether it's an issue yet, my point was that when we're, when we're embarking on a radical transformation of, of housing here... I think it certainly is going to become evident and more pronounced that uh, that expert expertise, as FRA has called it, is, is lacking. You know, uh, th- th- there won't be new expertise coming into the department or, or the various organisations charged with this transformation. And I know it's not the, the Communities Department or the Communities Minister who is responsible for, the, for university courses, but I do think this is an issue that we should... Uh, Amplify and escalate with those who do have responsibility.
7: Mark, thank you and apologies. I, I do remember actually you brought it up, and I think one of the proposals also was to write to the economy minister, if I remember rightly. If we could just double check on that to see if that if that was the case, and if it was, have we had any? We're resp- waiting on a response on that as well. So again, apologies, Mark, for um, forgetting that you had brought that up. Um, Kelly
0: thank oh thank you minister or, thank you minister are Paul I'm, I'm giving you a promotion Thanks. Um, thank, thank you chair um i was actually going to say i think that the wider implication of this just shows how much we need an outcome in the program for government for instance we have councils who are bringing forward um you know local development plans community plans for a range of houses not thinking about is the sewage system in place you know we have more than just um government officials that look at this there's local government there's developers there's you know we could have innovative changes to the way that passive housing and um environmentally friendly building techniques could be brought forward if there was a housing degree and we could develop that it just goes to show how much little consideration there is given to housing in Northern Ireland when we don't even have a higher education course on this. So I absolutely support um, your decision to write to the Economy Minister and given the fact that I know that Mr. Frew um, has a background in construction and, and electricity um, and having worked with him in the all-party group in construction, um, I think that he would recognise that there's a gap there and maybe will encourage those universities to take something forward?
7: No, thank you Kelly, Um, I think you're absolutely right, I think he will recognise that given his background too. Um, Any other members want to make a comment on that? No, well then, can we then we'll just, we'll we'll go and look if that proposal was indeed made direct to the Economy Minister, if it wasn't we'll make that proposal now and um, that wasn't I'm being told Um, yes, so we'll make that proposal now that we do write to to, to Paul and ask him um, where he sits with this and uh, if he can take this forward sorry hold on Frost. us our, our, Sean's trying to tell me something we
2: did write to the universities and we're collating the responses we're, we've had a few back but we want to provide them all in one go
7: okay no problem members in case you didn't hear that we did write to the universities mm-hmm. and the clerk is collating those and when we get all the responses back um, then we'll bring that forward to committee okay but we'll also write now to the economy minister can we move on members yeah, okay. Can I ask you then to turn to page 33, where you'll see a departmental response in relation to the flexibility of council meetings. The Minister intends to bring forward the necessary legislation at the earliest opportunity. The Local Government Meetings and Performance Bill was introduced on the 14th of June, and will proceed by accelerated passage to complete its assembly stages before the summer recess, coming into operation the day following Royal Assent. This will ensure that the gap in legislative cover for councils to hold remote meetings will be as short as possible. The provisional order papers for next week show that the motion for accelerated passage and the second stage are timetabled uh, for next Tuesday, the 22nd of June. Again, members, any comments or content to note? Kelly, go ahead.
0: Um, I'm delighted taken this forward. Um, to be honest, the the other legislation ran out in the 7th of May. The one thing I would maybe say as a committee, we have a hybrid system in place for us for the assembly, and I know that our procedures and and not too, I think it's just procedures in the comi- commission are looking at what we may do with a hybrid system moving forward, and particularly for parental leave and um, if someone's not well. Um, but I think. This is something that we should be pushing back to our minister with to say, right, okay, we've got these um, online meetings can take place. Um, I believe that's for another two years. Um, But I would like our minister to consider, is there something that we can do here to help our colleagues within councils and their staff? so that hybrid meetings can continue in the way that we're thinking about for the assembly um, to ensure that there is an option there that provides more family-friendly working, that's not asking people to drive to very long distances to committee meetings um, at late o'clock or very early o'clock in the morning, um, um, and to allow parental leave and so on. I think that's something that our minister has the ability to talk to councils about and to bring that legislation in to improve um, hybrid options going forward.
7: Uh, that's good proposals, Kelly. Anybody else
0: want to any sure.
9: comment? Go ahead, Sinead. Yeah, no. Listen, I don't disagree with what Kelly's saying. Um, but I can only go on the feedback. Certainly, I'm hearing from our, our own council group in Yuri Morning, Down, and they're extremely keen to get back in person. Um, and I think Kelly referenced the proposals that procedures are maybe looking at, and I think you know integral to all of that is that um, you you know the the integrity of meetings isn't compromised. Um, but as somebody who's, um, who went through a pregnancy while, while a counsellor, you know, I do understand that having that hybrid way of working would, would indeed have been very helpful. Um, so I don't disagree with what Kelly's saying, but I think we need to get more um, more feedback from our, from our counsellors right across the north, just to see what it is exactly they want and what they need.
7: No, I think that's, that are all good points. I think we need, that needs to be scoped out. Um, and it certainly does need to be led by, by the councillors themselves because they do know better what they need um, and uh, uh, absolutely they should be included in all of this and I don't think Kelly was uh, saying any different to that anyway that they should be included in any of that decision making but I think it's good that we, if we can start those conversations. Yeah. Okay, members, anybody else? Okay, we're going to move on then to page 34 where you'll see a departmental response in relation to the discretionary support review the department has commenced a review of the discretionary support policy and operational delivery and has now identified membership of the independent panel and has secured their participation according to the response the panel began their work on the week commencing the 7th of june so at this stage members have you any comments are you content to note content um, yep okay thank you okay then can i ask you to turn to page 36 Will you'll see a departmental response in relation to the covid 19 charities fund the committee has asked for a breakdown of the successful and unsuccessful applications to the fund along with the reasons why applications were unsuccessful and this information is provided in the reply again members any comments on that or content to note content yes um, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Okay, members, I'm going to push you on then to page 69, where you'll see a departmental response in relation to community and voluntary sector gender budgeting. Gender budgeting by the ANAC executive was raised in the report by the Expert Advisory Panel on the gender equality strategy. It is therefore under consideration by the gender equality co-design and cross-departmental groups for inclusion in the strategy, which is due to be published pending executive provo- provo- approval in december 2021 the department provides funding to support capacity building within the voluntary and community sector under a range of programs however there is currently no specific focus on gender budgeting in terms of targets or outcomes the gender equality strategy position on gender budgeting will shape any future approach by the department can i again then ask members if you have you any comments or content to note kelly
0: Kelly, go ahead. Sorry, Chair, thank you. Um, I was going to say, actually, as a follow-up to this, I absolutely appreciate the gender equality strategy will come forward um, and, and shape the way forward. I would be quite keen that that gender equality strategy, if they are taking forward the gender budgeting, um, includes within that not just actions for um, the committee, for, or for sorry, the community's department, but also um, Department of Finance because in the Department of Finance we have procurement and unless procurement have contracts that actually um, measure effectiveness by using gender budgeting as part of the scoring mechanism um, then you know I don't think that too many departments would be too interested in in making sure that gender budgeting is considered. So if we could even write back to the department and just say, thanks very much for that, that's great. Can you confirm that the gender equality strategy will put actions or have actions for the other departments, such as the Department of Finance, to ensure that should gender budgeting be included in their strategy, that it will be cross-cutting and there will be actions for other departments to take up?
7: Yeah, we can certainly do that. Members in agreement? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Members happy we move on? Okay, and then can I ask you to turn to page 70 where you'll see a departmental response in relation to the contract for personal independent payment. The response is in relation to our letter on the 13th of May 2021 when we queried the PIP assessment service contract with Capita which is due to expire at the end of July 2021. The response states that an extension to the current contract with improvements is the best way to safeguard providing the services from August 2021 um, to July 2023. Officials are currently working to secure extensions to the existing health assessment contracts for both PIP assessment services and medical support services. However, beyond this extension, the Minister has stated her intention to bring all health assessments in-house to ensure customer needs, equality and human rights are at the heart of these services. A number of improvements have already been introduced from March 2021, including the completion of PIP award reviews in-house, where sufficient evidence is available. And from August 2021, the independent audit of cases will also be brought in-house. A number of options to bring the full service in-house have already been appraised, but rely on partnership delivery with the Department for Health. This is not currently feasible due to the limits on operational capacity as a result of the pandemic. In addition to this, a single health assessment IT system is being developed by DWP and is due to be tested in 2021 before scaling up for national deployment. And from August 2023, an element of this service will continue to be outsourced, but it will be to a single provider subject to the Department of Finance approval. The Department will join the Department for Work and Pensions procurement for this single provider. Officials will continue to engage with the Department of Health on the potential to bring health assessments in-house on a phased basis whenever possible. Again, members, any comments? Or are you content to note? Any comments, yeah. members? Go ahead. Yeah. That, go ahead.
9: Is that Sinead? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, just to say, know it's good that um, clearly the... The direction of travel is that you know it's it's brought in house and um, i think maybe would it be worthwhile us writing to the department for health given that this is a cross departmental issue and um, just to ask how quickly they'll be able to get things moving from their end
7: yep absolutely i think that's a good proposal we can do that uh, members agreed, I agreed. Yep, okay. uh, yeah. any, any other comments nope. sure i'll okay, turn go ahead. My, uh,
3: I agree with Sinead's proposal there, but just as opposed to record uh, my disappointment that this contract is going to be extended and the manner in which it is. Again, we can understand how the, the COVID and pandemic has, has, I suppose, restricted work that the department can do in terms of, I suppose, going out for a new contract or, or going out to tender. I don't know, could we get maybe a wee bit more detail on, on how or why that couldn't be done. Though everyone around this table, or virtual table, has been scathing about Capita's uh, performance in carrying out of these assessments uh, and the lack of regard and lack of dignity that they afford many, many claimants. The figures speak for themselves too in terms of <laughs> of, of their performance. So it is difficult, I suppose, a difficult pill to to swallow, and it almost looks like failure is being rewarded.
7: Okay, Mark, I'm happy with that proposal as well, that we ask those further questions. Um, members in agreement? Yes? Okay. All right, members. Um, if you're happy, then we'll move on to page 72, where you'll see a departmental response in relation to COVID-19 funding for the community and voluntary sector. Uh, we, quer- we queried whether the disability strategy will include a section detailing and money has been or will be spent on a cross-departmental basis for the delivery of outcomes for people with disabilities. The response states that the disability strategy is currently under development and the issues of government spend has been raised by stakeholders. The issue of cross-departmental spend on disability will be considered as work on the stra- as the strategy progresses. However, it will be the responsibility of departments to ensure that disability strategy actions on which they lead are appropriately and sustainably resourced. The draft strategy will be issued for public consultation later this year, subject to executive proposal. Again, members, any comments they wish to make on that response? Kelly?
0: Thank you, chair. This this is gets to the the crux of where the programme for government is failing spectacularly. Um, it's not for every department to deal with their own parts in isolation. This is supposed to be cross departmental working. Um, we should, and plus as a committee, we need to be able to hold all of those departments to account that are delivering on the disability strategy because it comes under communities. Um, I'm, do you know what it, it's. beggars belief how this is all panning out so much for cross departmental work and um I think that we need to go back with a response and just say, hold on a minute here, this is not for for departments to work in isolation. There is supposed to be a lead um, permanent secretary or a senior civil servant that's that's going across this. They need to be providing a report to us to explain exactly how that strategy will be working in the future. Now, I appreciate the strategy isn't there yet. It'll be coming out in December and, and all that sort of stuff. But if we're already saying that it's going to work in a silo, then it's failing from the off. Because I know, for instance, um, in infrastructure, there will be issues about community transport and how that's funded. And if it's cut, then it has an impact on supporting people and how people with disabilities can get to work. If there's a cut on supporting people, then it prevents the number of people with disabilities who can get housing. You know, this has a circular issue. And it's the person should be at the centre, not the departments. So I think we need to go back and just go, hold on how is this all connecting together where are the connection points how can we scrutinize that and when will the departments finally realize that the silos have finished
7: i think you make a good point and i think it sets down a marker um, going forward because we'll have many strategies that will be coming through our committee Um, for many of us over the years we have seen a number of strategies have been rolled out in this assembly um, where it's actually been near, near nigh on impossible for someone to take the lead on those strategies and we've seen them, them fail miserably because of those reasons. So I think that you make a very good point uh, and I think it does, as I say, set a precedence going forward for all of our strategies um that there, there has to be a lead there and there there certainly has to be um, someone who's who's asking you know about delivery across across the board. Um, so I think that I would agree with your proposal, certainly, Kelly. Any other members who want to make comment on this? Are happy with that proposal going forward? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, members. Okay, members. Then can I inform you? You've been provided at seven, page seventy-four with a draft committee report on the Westminster Compensation London Capital Finance PLC and Fraud Compensation Fund Bill in relation to the necessary legislative consent memorandum. Uh, again, members, any comment or content to agree the report and order it that it is published. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you very much. Okay, members, we're going to just take a, a very short uh, break at this stage. Can you just stay there because I need to have a chat with you about something else? Thank you.
10: Northern Ireland Assembly, Committee Room, 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. (coughs) This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. (laughs) This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, committee room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, committee room 29 (coughs) This is the Northern Ireland Assembly committee room 29 This is the Northern Ireland Assembly committee room 29 This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, Committee Room 29. (speeching) This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, committee room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly – Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly – Committee Room 29. (coughs) This is the Northern Ireland Assembly – Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly – Committee Room 29. this is the Northern Ireland Assembly committee room 29 this is the Northern Ireland assembly committee room 29 this is the Northern Ireland assembly committee room 29 this is the Northern Ireland assembly committee room 29 This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, committee room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, committee room 29. (coughs) This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, committee room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, committee room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. (coughs) This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly committee room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly committee room 29. (laughs) This is the Northern Ireland Assembly committee room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly committee room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. <phone ringing> this is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 29.
7: Okay, members, welcome back. Um, I am going to propose at this stage that we move to agenda item 10 because we have now got plenary session will take place today and there will be a number of meetings parties will be having before that. Are members in agreement that we move to agenda item 10? Yes, agreed. Can I apologise then? I know that we have David Sales, Colette Thoman, Jean, Jean McNulty, or McAnulty, uh, Gerrit Murray and John Burns on the line. Can I apologise to all of you? Um, we will reschedule and hopefully get you in with us next week if, if Dari's permit. So thank you very much for waiting and apologies. Um, members, we're going to move then on to Agenda Item 10, which is an SL1, the Housing Notification of Disposals and Mortgages Regulations NI 2021. You'll find a copy of this SL1 at page 125 of your pack. These regulations are being made under powers in the Housing Northern Ireland Order 1992 as amended by the Housing Amendment Act, Northern Ireland 2020. Following passage of the 2020 Act, ONS announced the reclassification of registered housing associations to the private non-financial corporation subsector. The 2020 Act also replaced the consents process used by registered uh, housing associations in respect of disposals and mortgages with a notifications process. The purpose of the proposed regulations is to detail the information the RHAs must provide in completing the notifications process. Overall, the purpose of the 2020 Act and these regulations is to reduce or remove all central government control that is consistent with the public sector classification from housing legislation. Uh, Okay, Members, have you any comments? Are you content that the Department to proceed to make this rule? Content that the Department proceed? Content. Okay. Thank you. I'll then move you on to agenda item eleven, which sorry. is sorry. Go ahead, go ahead,
3: Mark. I'm content to do that, but it's kind of a, as an aside to that, it's, it is certainly linked to the termination of the right to buy uh, in, in housing associations. I was just wondering, since that legislation was passed uh, by by the Assembly, and I know know this period had been served, there's a year wherein properties can still be sold by housing associations. Is there any way of us getting data to see how many properties are being sold in in that window? It's just, it's come to my attention, and I don't know if it's true, I genuinely haven't had time to check up on this, that uh, houses are being sold... Not just the the owner occupiers, but that uh, houses are being sold almost in, in bunches as well. I think there were seven houses sold by a housing association in there recently to, to a developer. That, that's the the, the the story anyway. But I just want to know if there's any truth in that type of
7: activity going on. No, I think that's a good point. I haven't heard that myself, but certainly if that is is true, which I don't doubt, um, I think we need that information on that, um, because the point of this was because of our lack of social housing, Um, so it was, and to to protect that social housing, so we can ask those questions. Andy?
2: Just the point, surely, you know, if Seville's not being sold to a developer would not be the house sales scheme, so if we can get definitive clarification on, on that, because certainly I wouldn't,
3: be familiar with that being the policy intent of a house sales scheme no, nope. no you're quite right and it would be outside yeah. what the house sales scheme would be but you see i did caution at the time that by given that year and it's i can understand of course the need to afford uh, occupiers or tenants opposed to the opportunity maybe to purchase their home and that's what the assembly uh, wanted to do but has it created a kind of a, a gold rush or a home rush where where properties are, are being lost at an even more alarming and rapid rate the social sector but I, i'll do a bit more digging around that one of raised as well i probably should have done the more digging before raising it but but certainly i'll have that done for next week
7: no i don't think there's any 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 problem in us actually writing off and asking those questions as well in tandem with what you're doing mark anyway Freddie, do you have your hand up did you want to speak
5: Yes, Chair, and I was just uh, to come in to support uh, what, what Mark had said, but also uh, Andy had, had, had raised a point, that, and I think at this stage of uh, a never decreasing uh, supply of social housing, uh, that any sales uh, need to, uh, to come onto our radar. And I think, I think that does no harm in rating off whether it's a, uh, the, the individual sale or seven uh, houses uh, that we need to establish under what circumstances they they, they have been do- that has been done, uh, so that we, we we have the the, the information. Uh, in the past, uh, thirty years, the biggest single difficulty there has been in the provision of social housing has been the wholesale selling off of uh hundred eighty thousand uh social homes. So I think we need to always keep that on our radar, uh, so that we, we we can deal with it.
6: Yeah, Chair, can I just come on there as well? Yeah, go ahead, Karen. Chair, yeah, certainly we we would definitely need clarity around that because that would be very concerning in in relation to um, what Mark was saying there. I know in my area, certainly there was a small number of houses, but they were sold from a developer to a housing association, which I very much welcomed because I was afraid of, how the the developer um or, or who else would own it would, would run them down maybe under the ground or whatever so but definitely would need to that would be very worrying if that practice was starting to happen so we definitely need clarity on that.
1: Thank
2: you, Andrew. Yeah, I've um, no difficulty in requesting the information. It's important that we as a committee and members have that information. The point I was making, I want to be clear on that, is it's important that we get the correct and accurate information so that we can uh make an informed decision on what is or isn't happening.
7: Oh, thank you for that, Andy. Any other members want to speak on this issue? Are we happy I mean we're happy enough that the Department go ahead and make the rule? I know this is this is um in relation but not in relation to it. Um, so happy enough with that, yes? Okay. Members I'm gonna move you on then to agenda item eleven, which is SL1, the social social security. Reciprocal agreements, miscellaneous amendment regulations, Northern Ireland 2021, you find a copy of this SL1 at page 130 of your pack. As a result of EU exit, a number of amendments are required to Northern Ireland legislation. Firstly, social fund winter fuel payments fall outside the scope of the trade and cooperation agreement with the EU. Therefore, winter fuel payments will not be made to people who reside in the EU unless they are in full scope of the EU withdrawal agreement or parallel agreements and have a genuine and sufficient link to the UK. This proposed rule will tidy up references in legislation and ensure legal clarity to align it with the position under these arrangements. Or sorry, agreements. Winter fuel, payments, winter fuel payments will be made to beneficiaries of the UK Ireland Convention on Social Security, namely UK and Irish nationals who are habitually resident in Ireland and have a genuine and sufficient link to the UK. Secondly, the Social Security application of reciprocal agreements with Australia, Canada and New Zealand, EEA states and Switzerland regulations, Northern Ireland 2015, are also being revoked. This change is being made following the end of the free movement of persons between the UK, UK and EU. Savings, provision, savings provisions are included for individuals resident in an EEA state or Switzerland on the 31st of December 2021 while they remain resident in that state so members any comments or are they content for the department to proceed to make this rule content thank you yeah. okay I'm going to move on to agenda item 12 which is a statutory rule 2021 forward slash 147 the domestic energy efficiency grants amendment regulations northern ireland 2021 you find a copy of the rule at page 130 We approved this SL1 at our meeting on the 15th of April. Can I then ask, have members any objections to the rule? No No objections, thank you. Then I will put the following that the Committee for Communities has considered SR 2021 147 the Domestic Energy Efficiency Grants Amendment Regulations Northern Ireland 2021 and subject to the examiner of statutory rules report, has no objection to the rule. I'll move on then to the agenda item 13, which is correspondence. Members, correspondence. Members, you'll find at page 143 of your pack. Can I draw your attention to page 403, which is a letter from the Belfast Metropolitan Residence Group in relation to the lot scheme? Members, can I w- can I ask if you wish to comment on the letter, um, or, as requested by the BMRG, endorse the 2016 um, PICEC report? and recommend to the minister that the department integrates a lot scheme into its town and city centre regeneration package Um, any comments members want to make on that chair could we maybe leave that until
0: um, next week after we've heard from the neighborhood renewal side of things from the department it would have been handy to have that maybe in advance of us um, taking action on this today
7: absolutely that that's if members are agreed we can do that yes Okay, Um, then can I draw your attention then to page 407, which is an invitation to attend a webinar on gambling policy and regulation in Ireland, catching up with the digital age. Members, are you content We request a member of RAISE attends on our behalf and brings back a note um, of the session? Yes, please. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, of course, that doesn't exclude any other member if they want to attend it, of course. Um, then can I just ask, does any other member anything they want to bring up under the correspondence memo? Nope, nothing? Okay, then can I then ask members, are you content with the actions of the correspondence memo um, uh, as amended, I suppose, given that we're, that we're bringing one back next week, yes? Agreed. Thank you. I'm going to move on then to agenda item 14, which is our forward work, work programme. Members, at next week's meeting, we will brief, but we will be briefed by Unison on supporting people, and then by the department on the following issues, which are supporting people, labour market interventions, and post office card accounts. And um, we'll also see then if we can slot in um, the, the, what we've missed today as well. Are members happy enough with the forward work programme from next week? Yes. Okay. Then can I ask Then agenda item 15 is any other business? Members, do you have any other business? Kelly?
0: I was just going to bring up the chair after this morning, um, just with the minister talking about the the welfare mitigation loopholes. Um, If we can get just a breakdown of how quickly we can progress this, Um, the minister is willing to get this moved as quickly as possible. She's confirmed that it'll take at least six weeks um, for that, primary legislation to go through Um, I'm just wondering is there anything that we can do um, we can look at to see how our committee stage can certainly still do the scrutiny but we can move it forward and I know it's gonna hate me but we may need to do something in July um, to bring this forward
7: yeah I think we've we've made that commitment that if we do have to do uh, uh, reconvene over the summer we will do that so but we can ask those questions yes certainly um, Chair, 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 yeah, go Chair, ahead, Robin. Chair, can
3: I just take you back to the previous item, Building Fire Safety Program, NIHE Tower Block Action Plan? Yes. I, I know you've dealt with that, but, Chair, it asked uh, The committee therefore agreed to write to the Department for Communities seeking confirmation. I wonder, could we, uh, particularly around the NIHE Tower Block Action Plan, could we get a copy of the Department for Communities' response?
7: Okay, yeah, we can certainly do that,
2: Robin. Yeah. Thank you, Chair.
7: Thanks, Robin. Um, Okay, any other business? Go ahead, Andy.
2: Chair, can I come back to the issue Kelly raised? And I had hoped to get back in with the Minister, but I appreciate obviously time was of the essence and I didn't get in. The Minister highlighted obviously the the concerning issue of the the rent arrears Um, and obviously the mitigations can't be made retrospectively and the Minister had looked at that. But given that um, those payments aren't being made, there will be an amount of that funding which has been allocated to £42.8 million that will potentially be lost. Can we ask the Minister and the Department what other solutions they're looking at uh, in terms of workarounds? I know they need to address the wider um, rent arrears issue, but especially those within the mitigations loopholes who are missing out, can the, the Department make grants of that, uh, that funding to the housing Association and the Hound Executive? to clear those uh, rent arrears, and then what steps are taken to look at um, supporting those outside of the mitigations in terms of rent arrears?
7: Okay, no, I think that's a good point, and if there is money left over, it should be used um, to help those people. Um, so, yep, we can ask that as well. Um, anything else members have under AOB? Are we happy to move on? Okay, Members. Um, and agenda Item 16 is date, time and location for next meeting. Members, our next meeting will take place next week, Thursday the 24th of June. I have a 9.30am start down here, but um, we will play that by ear um, to see if we, we have any extra capacity next week. We may have to come in a little bit sooner or a little bit earlier than that but members will keep you updated, and it will be here, all being well, in room 29. So thank you very much, members, for your your time and patience today. Thank you.
10: Thank you. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, committee room 29. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly, committee room 29.